Behind the Shades. have been equipping Christian women for well over 20 years to equip them to communicate in a way that aligns with their values as a coach, speaker, and trainer with For Better Forever, which I co-founded with my beloved husband, Malis. Um, and yes, and I've been cer a certified John Maxwell coach, speaker, and trainer for about six years now. So I train, I coach, I speak in the areas of communication, leadership, relationships, mindset, and personal growth, love, personal growth. And so I've trained couples, teaching them to communicate and teaching them conflict resolution skills. I've been teaching young people and students. Uh, I have a program called How to Avoid Falling for a Jerk, which was written by Dr. John Van App. It's a fantastic program. So shout out to Dr. John. It's all based on attachment theory and it's a powerful program. And I've taught values-based leadership skills to students in Paraguay with John Maxwell himself. And I've been teaching and training addicts in recovery in our local jail and in a home for addictions, uh, addiction recovery. And we've been teaching them personal growth programs through the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. And I have a membership for Christian women called the Sisterhood Journey Membership. And we focus on the four lanes of communication there, God talk, self-talk, people talk and leadership talk. So yes. And fun fact, Malis and I have been married for 42 years. Yay. Congratulations. <laughs> 42 years. Wow. 42 years this summer. I, I don't know where the time goes. I'm sounding old too. <laughs> Uh, but we have um, five adult children. Each of them are married and we have 11 amazing children. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I remember reading about, actually, I remember watching an interview where someone gave praise to their grandmother. And the reason why they did that is similar to what you mentioned, like you have this woman who's been able to spread life through these people and then through her, her children spread life. And the reason why I mentioned this, because you mentioned you have 11 grandchildren. This person said that Look at this woman, this grandmother in this room. And there's a room about 50 people. She's like, 49 of these people came through that one woman. Right? So when you mention your 11 grandchildren, you mention your children, you mention everything that you're doing, 42 beautiful years. How do you feel saying that myself and my husband have created this two generations of people? How does that feel? Oh, my goodness, Terrain. That's why we ourselves for better forever because I truly believe that the changes and have that my husband and I have made uh, on the personal growth program that we've been on ourselves it has changed the way we not only our marriage but it has changed it changed our children and I believe that passes down to the next generation and the next generation and and so I just think there's so much hope there and each of the each one of us impacts a circle of people and that just keeps getting wider and wider. And it I wanted to cry when you said that terrain because it's so important to me to recognize that I stand on the shoulders of people who've impacted me. And they're going to stand on my shoulders too and that's very exciting to me. It's like when you look up at the pyramid and you see that focal point and there's Anne 
but then coming down, you see all these amazing um, creations. You see this foundation, you see this beauty, but you remember that even though the all of this beauty is eye level, when you look up, that is the person that has created it. So you should feel truly blessed because I feel that that is absolutely amazing. And you mentioned personal growth. So speak on personal growth and how that is beneficial to those listening today. Absolutely. I needed to be on a personal growth journey. I didn't know how much I needed it, but part of the reason why I do what I do is because our marriage, we struggled in our marriage. And it was only, it was a very pivotal conversation that my husband and I had where I said to him, I can't do this anymore. And we were, we were on a date to rain. We were sitting in our farm truck outside our favorite restaurant. And I said to him, I can't do this anymore. I, you know, we just keep going around and around the same old thing. We don't resolve anything. And I'm so hurt and I'm so tired. And that night it landed in a better way for him. And he listened to me and he, the most amazing thing happened. He shared his unhappiness with me and I hadn't heard it in a very long time. We had five kids in six years. I'm just going to let that, let that land for a minute. <laughs> and then we, he was working on the farm, new to farming, and there were challenges there, but we didn't know how to communicate what was really happening inside of us. And we didn't know how to conflict. We both hated conflict. And so we needed to hop on a personal growth journey. We decided that very night that we would get the help that we needed in order to get better together. And we had so much to learn and we needed that personal growth journey in order to learn individually how to be better, how to be happier within ourselves, but then how to communicate to help understand one another better. And these pivotal conversations are exactly what I help our women to know how to communicate in a healthy way. And I know that it's hard to have these pivotal conversations, but this was a whole new journey for, for me. I needed to learn how to speak, how to have healthy conflict. I didn't think that conflict was a good thing in relationship or marriage, but that was one of the very first lessons that we learned from Dr. Gary Smalley. And that is that conflict is the doorway to intimacy and intimacy as into into me, you see. And so when we can conflict in healthy ways, I believe that I not only get to see inside my husband or inside the people that I'm conflicting with, my, my children, my, my grandchildren, I get to see a part of me as well. And that's a big part of personal growth is that new awareness every day about who I am, what triggers me, what's important to me, what I truly value, what I think, the beliefs that aren't serving me and the beliefs that are serving me. And it's all a part of our story, this personal growth journey that we started on to learn how to communicate more effectively, to have these pivotal conversations that actually changed our life and our marriage and our family. Looking back, did you feel that it could have gone either way? Or is it something that you knew that, hey, there's something here. I just don't know how to tackle it. I had no idea. 
I had no idea, no idea where it was going to go. I just knew I was at the bottom of, uh, I was at the bottom and I knew something needed to change. We very much loved each other, but we weren't acting like it. We very much had uh, committed to each other. And I didn't know how that conversation would go. I knew that he was a kind man, but at times we weren't being kind to each other, me as well as him. And I really did not know how that conversation would end up. And I was surprised at how open he was about what was going on inside of him. And I really needed to hear that. And that's the vulnerability piece that's hard for some of us. I know it was certainly hard for us to open up and even as partners for, for a while, it was hard to be that vulnerable and to trust him with my heart and for him to trust me with his heart. I think sometimes as people in relationships, especially maybe um, those who are used to things a certain way, I think sometimes we forget that being vulnerable is not only being vulnerable in opening up, but also being vulnerable in listening. And I think it's easier to do the former than the latter because when we are suffering, it's all me, I'm going through this, I'm going through this. But we don't think that maybe the way we're suffering is causing the other person to suffer in their own way as well. Is that something that maybe you you were experiencing during that time? Oh my goodness. Uh, I think listening is such a gift that we give to other people. And as a coach, and I know you're coaching as well, Terrain, that's the power of coaching to give space for somebody to speak their thoughts, to hear themselves thinking they often solve their own problems as they're thinking through as they have this space to think. And yeah, I did not know how to listen. I was listening to respond, not to understand. And that's really different. And, and I think so, that's something that's, but we're not taught that as kids, right? Like we're taught how to speak and not to communicate. We are taught how to hear, but not to listen. And I think as adults, it's a disadvantage because we have to learn things so quickly, especially if we want to function in a world that's set up for companionship, right? This world isn't built to be alone. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the worst punishments you can ever give per- someone is when you lock them up, you cut them off from society, you isolate them in a group of people. And then the worst of that is you isolate them by themselves. Solitary confinement is the worst punishment besides death that we can give someone. And too many of us will choose to be alone when we know deep down that we're yearning. We want that person next to us. And you mentioned a good point when you said pivotal, being pivotal in your relationships. Can you touch on that and how that maybe benefited you and how you're using that to help others? Absolutely. So these pivotal conversations, I believe that they're conversations where the goal is to create a shift or a change in some way, because something isn't working. So for our, for us, our marriage was not working the way it was. And we needed that pivotal conversation to shift the way we were doing things and to get the help that we needed to get better together. So I think that they're really conversations that matter. I think they do require some degree of honesty and vulnerability that of course depends on who you're sharing with, uh, whether it's a partner, a child, that's a different kind of vulnerability. You don't 
share with your little ones, you know, all the angst of adulthood. That's not fair for little ones. Um, and then if it's coworkers, that's a different kind of vulnerability as well. But then I think that it's also these pivotal conversations are going to be a sensitive topic, topic and that's why they're kind of hard to have. Uh, they may be sensitive to one or perhaps to both parties. And thirdly, I believe that they're conversations that bring clarity either to the person or they bring clarity to the relationship. Now, for us, in the case of our pivotal conversation, that one that we had there, we had many since, <laughs> but that conversation that we had in our farm truck, um, that brought clarity both to me. Uh, I, I discovered a new commitment in him for our relationship. I discovered a new commitment in me for me. When we had that conversation, it was all of a sudden I realized I want this and I'm willing to work to get better myself and I'm willing to work with you to get better together. So it brought clarity to me as a person that I needed help and it brought clarity to our relationship as we recommitted to each other that this was, this was our path forward was to get help and to become better together. In your case, and I'm going to ask this question um, because I've dated and I haven't been married and I don't have children, um, but in my experiences with those who I work with, those who I speak with, they have a difficult time separating the husband-wife relationship versus the father, mother, and children relationship, meaning that if the parents are going through something, it doesn't necessarily always have to be mentioned to the children because the two adults can work it out. Is that something you find in the people that you assist with? Yes, and 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 even um, I, those adult conversations do need to be adult conversations, and I think it's important to let our children, as they get older, see a little bit more and. Um, and a little bit more, but definitely only to the degree that they're able to handle that. And so little ones get very little of that. And, uh, and of course, but teenagers, they need to see that mom and dad don't always get along, but mom and dad know how to handle conflict. That conflict is not a scary thing, that it is the doorway to understanding one another better and to understanding ourselves better. So I think as kids get older, the door opens a little bit wider, but still they don't see everything that happens behind the doors of an adult relationship. That would not be fair for teenagers either. And I think today that there is a great fear for our kids. I remember we were hosting years ago, we were hosting a marriage um, training. It was a five to seven week training, long training. And I remember a couple, beautiful couple, not um, a couple who was destructive or even in trouble, but they wanted to get better. They were coming in for a tune-up, so to speak. And when they told their kids they were going to this marriage enrichment class, their kids said, what's wrong? Are you going for divorce? Kids need to have that reassurance that and see their parents we're on a growth journey, we're learning, and we're, we want to be better. And we know we haven't got it all together. But honey, you don't have to worry, we're committed to each other. I think kids need that reassurance to hear that from their parents. Can that be scary for the parents to have that type of conversation with the children? 
uh, that was very surprising to this couple because they knew they had confidence in themselves, but because these children had seen their, their peers uh, struggle in their parent, the, their parents were separating. That was very, very surprising for this couple. And no, it wasn't scary because um, they had some degree of vulnerability with their kids in that way. And it was a good conversation to have with their kids. And they were glad that their kids asked the question. So their question, are we in trouble? Are we okay? Are you okay? Are you going to be together? Are you leaving each other? That was really important to have that conversation. So these parents had obviously created a safe space for their kids to ask the hard questions. And it shows that the children care and it shows that maybe there's an understanding that they can have those, as you mentioned, adult conversations. Because the last thing you want is the child to leave, maybe go to school, thinking everything is fine. And then when they come back home, it's not fine. And I think we underestimate at times the impact that the adult relationship has on the children because we think that they're invincible. Well, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to show the pain so the children won't pick up on it. But children are pretty intuitive, right? Oh, my goodness. It's the mood in the room, right? <laughs> it's the mood in the room. And when, when mom and dad aren't getting along, kids feel it before they see it. They feel it and they feel it in their bodies and they feel it and they feel it in their emotions and they feel that tension and it can be like walking on eggshells. So even though you may not say it, they can feel that tension. And so, yes, I think that kids are very intuitive and kids pick up on far more than their parents. I always said my kids were way smarter than I was when they were very little. <laughs> they pick up on those little nuances that we think they don't see. And so it's important to have those conversations with our kids to, um, to, I think that we need, to, I think that we as adults need to be adults in the relationship and not expect our kids to be the adults in the relationship. And I think sometimes the adults expect kids to be the adults in the relationship. And I think that's not fair to kids. So, and I absolutely agree because I think that there has to be that separation, but you still want an honest and transparent household. And when we're speaking of that, what are some of the stumbling blocks that you have encountered? Maybe either you're for yourself in your situation, or maybe when you're helping others. Hmm. I think there are reasons why we put off or struggle with these important pivotal conversations. I think one of the reasons I see my women are extraordinarily kind terrain. They are kind hearted, agreeable people. And so they don't like conflict. And in many places they've been taught, especially in church to be the nice, good girl. And so dealing with conflict just doesn't line up with their church's idea of of be of a woman and so they want to keep the peace and they don't have those conversations i think another reason why we don't have those conversations is because of the vulnerability piece it can be hard it can be risky and the deeper we go uh, in communication the more vulnerable we become and so for instance if i am just talking to you about facts that's not so that's not so threatening or so risky but when i start to tell you about how i feel and what I really want, 
that's when it gets to be vulnerable. And that can be hard to do and scary because what if I tell you what I want and you don't respond in that way? And I remember the first time I asked my husband for a hug, Duran, it was so, so comical. He walked, I was having a bad day and he looked at me and he said, like, what's wrong? What's going on? And he said, I said, I just need a hug. And he walked over and gave me a hug. And I thought, why have I waited so long to ask him for what I need? Because that was really easy, <laughs> but it felt so vulnerable. And that's one of the reasons why I think we put off having that pivotal conversation. Uh, I think another reason is that we, my women don't always know what to say. And women are busy. They're wearing a lot of different hats and they don't spend too much time looking into themselves. And we talked earlier about the listening piece and how we often don't have those places where we're listened to. And so we often don't go within and don't know what's really going on inside. And so I can't tell you who I am, what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling and what I want if I don't think about it first. And so one of the reasons why we put off those conversations is because we just don't know what to say. And another reason why those we put off those pivotal conversations is because they haven't gone well in the past. And I think there's an expression that says, you know, once bitten, twice shy. And so when it hasn't gone well in the past, um, we hesitate. We're afraid to step into it again. But, you know, the good news is that, you know, pivotal conversations, there's skills that we can learn. And once we learn the skills, we can get better at having these pivotal conversations. And then people even expect it. I am sure that as we're talking, Terrain, you're thinking about the people in your life that are really good at these pivotal conversations. My brother is really good at pivotal conversations. It's, it's the way he does life. And so they can really become a way of life. And people will then expect it of you. And when we practice it, we get better at it too. Yes, I've worked very hard on the communication piece. Um, it wasn't something that I saw growing up, but it was something that I wanted so much to be a part of in my life. And I remember telling someone just a couple of days ago that it is a responsibility of the communicator to be understood, right? They have to make sure that their message is understood. It's not the person's responsibility who's receiving it to understand. And when I told this person this, it was in a way that she was saying something that she admittedly didn't make sense to even her. And I told her that if it doesn't make sense to you, it's definitely not going to make sense to anyone else. So just take a step back. Understand in your mind what it is you want to say. Once you understand it in your mind, then use your words. And I think many of us, unfortunately, we just blab the first thought in our mind, right? We don't actually, we don't actually put it. It's like um, putty. We're not making shapes and figures. We're just saying, here's the putty. Here's the goo. You make it into what I think it should be. And the person's thinking, uh, a little help here. You know, can I call a friend? Like, can I, who wants to be a millionaire, right? It's, it's like one of those situations. So when you mention that, is it, we don't know what to say? Or is it, we don't know how to say it? I think it's a little bit of both. I think that because it's a skill and we haven't learned that skill that we don't know what to say and we don't 
know how to say it. And in a big part, I think we don't know how to go within to actually think about what it is. Like you said, we don't think about it before and we just kind of blurt it out and it is like putty and we expect the person to go through. I, I call it a sea of words and you expect the person to go through to the life ring and find that what you really mean to find it in the midst. I think a lot of us process out loud and as we're going, we kind of figure it out. But in the meantime, there's this whole big sea of words that the other person has no idea what it is you're trying to say. I am speaking from experience today where I'll say to my husband, this is not the facts. I just need to think about this. <laughs> That's not where I'm going to land. <laughs> so when I'm going to land, I let him know, okay, this is where I'm landing. <laughs> this is what I really mean. This is what's really important. So I um, say to my people, journal. I love to journal. And it's it's been really powerful for me to understand myself and to get those new awarenesses. And I ask them to journal these questions. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What's troubling you right now? And what is it you really, really want? And that way they can get to the heart of what it is they want to talk about. And then I say practice and I say practice out loud what it is you want to say until it becomes clear and you have that clarity so that when you go to talk to the person about something that's important to you, you know what it is you're going to say, you know how you're feeling, you know what it is you're thinking, you know what's really troubling you. Sometimes we don't really know. We just have this uneasy feeling that something's not right here. We don't really know. We can't really put our finger on what it is that's really troubling us. And then um, and be able to ask for what it is we really, really want. So I think that it goes actually, to how and the what. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Yes. No, you're right. Um, that worked for me because I was, there's certain situations that would bother me. And on the surface, it's just, well, this is done. I don't like it. But uh, it's more than that, at least for me. It was more than that. And then it began to realize that, hey, this situation, this action that bothers me, the reason why it bothers me is because in my younger years, this is what has happened. Mm -hmm. And until I was able to resolve the, or at least understand the origins of some of the things that would bother me, mm -hmm. I was able to be better prepared to move forward. And that's something that I share with the people that I work with, that I speak to, is that words are just words when you actually think about it right but there's certain words that people would say that triggers them gaslights them right and the person who's saying it may not know because they don't know your history they don't know where you're coming from but you know you're like you calling you saying my ideas are stupid is because as a kid anytime that i wanted to do something my parents told me i was stupid it makes sense that I went to school and every time the teacher would mark my assignment and I would get a failing mark, it reminded me of my, when my parents told me I was stupid. Mm -hmm. So you're carrying this luggage of baggage mm -hmm. from relationship to relationship, situation to situation. And when you mentioned that it's a combination of both, I totally agree. And you're doing an amazing job in helping people to understand because there are times, and this happens amongst my friends, we are our own therapists, we're our own coach, 
right? Nope, I'm good enough to solve all of my own problems. Okay, are you problem free? No. So if you're so good, how come you still have these these um these issues that are coming up? And and for you, when you're speaking to these women, and you see them making progress, you see them making change. How does that feel to you, knowing that years ago you had that type of pivotal conversation? Years later, you're having you're helping people have it themselves. Taran, it is amazing. Um, there's a home that I pass regularly uh, when I travel to to the city to see my dad, and when I pass by that home and the lights are on. I, it's, I want to just, I want to sing. I want to break out in song because I know that the mom in that house, it, she's had those pivotal conversations with her family. And I know that the husband in that house, they've had those pivotal conversations together. And I know that though they had a big shift in their relationship and I know that they're together and I know that um, they are, their kids are together with that, with mom and dad. And at one point they weren't. And that just makes me so happy that for better forever, that those people are together and that they're living their best life together. They're continuing to grow. No doubt. I don't see them so much anymore, but when I see their home, it just makes me so happy. Um, when I see the progress that our women are making, it's, we just recently, um, had our women do testimonies for us. They did video testimonies. Oh my goodness, Terrain, the progress that they've made and the women that they are and the way they love their families and the way they love their work and they're passionate about the things that they're doing and the things that they feel that God is leading them into. It is just so exciting to see the growth and the progress that they are making. And I am always astounded that I get to be a part of their journey and that they bless me. And it's such a privilege to, to be a small part of their journey and their walk as they're uh, on their personal growth journey to learn to have these pivotal conversations with themselves uh, and with their maker and with their, the people that are most important in their lives. And then, um, in, and they've become leaders in their spheres, their spheres of of leadership. So whether it's in their work and I have kindergarten teachers and I have nurses and teachers and, and stay at home moms who are homeschooling their kids. And it's just so exciting for me. One woman, yeah, one woman shared how she takes what she learns in the membership and the sisterhood membership about pivotal conversations. And we've talked about shame for men too, and fear for women. And she's taken all of that and she takes it into her kindergarten class and she applies it there. And what I love about her is she's not just loving on the kids. She recognizes she's caring for the whole family as she cares for these little ones. And just imagine having somebody in your life as a little one terrain care for you that much and how that would impact those whole families. So I am incredibly grateful for, um, that they open their lives to me and uh, that they bless us with these testimonies about what is happening in their lives as we work together. Did you ever think that your work would come this far where outside of your family, you're helping impact generations of people that you are helping raise in a way? 
oh, never, never, ever in a million years. Um, people would ask me what I did as a, as a young mom, and I would say, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. And now I'm a coach, speaker, and trainer, and I have the opportunity to go into to a home for addicts and speak and train there. And, and I get to, to work with people online from around the world in different places. And it is just incredible. I never in a million years would I have guessed that this was possible. And, you know, honestly, I have to give credit to God because um, he has done a tremendous work in my life that I didn't know was possible either. And this wouldn't be possible without him. And so I do need to give credit to my maker too, because of the way he's made me to be, you know, my number one strength and strength finders is positivity. <laughs> and my number five is empathy. And even just learning how I've been made and created and learning when is a good time to have that positivity show up. And when is a good time to dial it back and, and bring up the empathy? It's been just powerful to understand better. I didn't learn this in school. I did not learn that positivity was a good thing <laughs> and how to use it. And it wasn't until I was able to take strength finders and learn this is how I made and this is how I can apply it now to my life and to impact the people that I'm currently working with and may work with in the future. And I always say God is good all the time so that's amazing that you said that you mentioned you're working with addicts um what type of work do you do with them currently yeah so i am privileged to go in once a week to a home for addictions it's called lennon house in our local area here and i bring uh three programs uh continually right now we're doing the 15 invaluable laws of growth that's john's john maxwell's work my mentor and this week we did the law of environment. Now you can imagine terrain, how important that is for them. And so I wanna hear from them as much as teach them. So I give them some teaching, but I wanna hear from them. How does this law of environment impact you? And who is that person that's in your life right now that you know that when you go home, they're gonna sabotage your sobriety because these people have been there maybe for six weeks, perhaps for a month, perhaps for six months. They're allowed to be there for up to a year. So I have a whole year once a week to go in and impact them with positive uh, laws that if they implement into their lives, it will, I tell them it will change your life because it has changed mine. And I know that this is the internal work that they need to do so that they can maintain their sobriety. Sobriety is one thing, like not to be drinking, not to be gambling, not to be, um, using drugs. That's one thing. But once they thaw out, all the emotions come to the surface and all that old stuff that you talked about comes to the surface. And the work that I do with them is helping them to go within to move forward uh, in their sobriety. The second program I bring to them is how to avoid falling for a jerk. Relationships are so important to them and they need to identify who are those people in their lives that are bringing them down, but they need to identify who are those people that support their sobriety because those are the people they need to continue to nurture in their lives. And sometimes it's a little bit dicey. <laughs> we don't like people telling us what to do. We don't like people being hard on us, but sometimes we need that balance of grace and truth, right? They need that balance, we all do, of grace and truth. And so they need to identify who are those jerks. And this program 
helps them understand attachment theory and how we bond with healthy people, how love grows. They need to know that too. And then the third program that I bring is a program we wrote. Uh, my, I work with my daughter, Hannah, and it's a program that we wrote called Be Curious, uh, Not Furious. And there's a lot of drama in their lives, a lot of being angry helps them to bring down the drama, to bring down the angry, help them identify triggers, and then help them to communicate in a way that aligns with their values. They're very kind people as well. And so those are the three programs. I continue to bring them in uh, on a, a continuing basis. And I am privileged to work with the, the, the director there, Diane Young, uh, and to work with the, the addicts who are just beautiful people who I say uh, to them, you know, I want to be here next year in August of 2023, but I don't want to see you here. And because they have gifts and talents and strengths and abilities that I don't have, that our community needs and that their families need. And I want to see them reunited with their families and back in our community and contributing to our community. The type of conversations you would have when you offer those types of programs to them especially the second one, how to identify a jerk. Is that different than a conversation you would have with someone who is maybe not in that current situation? Absolutely. So toxic people are very different than difficult people. <laughs> we can all be difficult some of the time. I know I can be difficult some of the time, but I'm not toxic. Uh, so those toxic people, the, I say that they're people that are, they're soul sucking. They are demeaning, they're critical, um, they control, whether it's your money, um, they're manipulating. Uh, there's a lot of spiritual control in some places. And so that's like toxic. Uh, whereas difficult people, there can be, for us, there were external pressures on our relationship that were causing us to be difficult. Um, he was working a lot and we didn't have skills and we had little ones at home. Uh, and we didn't have time to talk. And so it, it made us, it made us difficult because we didn't have the skills in order to talk about what was happening and to conflict in healthy ways. And so those are very different conversations that we would have if someone's dealing with a toxic, destructive type person, as opposed to a difficult person. Can a difficult person become toxic? Oh, I'm glad you asked that question. Absolutely. I do believe that's true. And for instance, if we had chosen to keep doing what we were doing, I think we would have become more and more toxic, uh, more and more difficult into moving into toxic where we would have, uh, we were already very critical with one another. I was very critical with my husband. And if I had have continued down that path, yes, I could have become toxic. And I think it's important that's why early intervention is important. And that's why I think that the tune-up and the checkup and the personal growth is really important to stay in touch with what's happening inside and to be aware of what's going on inside so that we don't become those toxic people. We don't want to be, no one wants to be destructive or toxic. So when you mention early intervention, does that at least begin with within? Or is it something that someone has to tell us, say, hey, 
what you're doing, I don't like. Can we have a conversation? Absolutely. Both ways. So it can be. I have been sitting in the coaching chair where a woman will say, oh, and she'll say the most um, amazing things about what is happening inside of her and why she was behaving the way she was behaving. And her husband wasn't being great either. <laughs> but that new awareness, uh, knowing what she was thinking and how she was feeling helped her move forward in such a better way. And so I think it's both we can. And I think that's why those pivotal conversations are so important, because when I say to you, hey, you know, I, I'm feeling very disrespected now, like the way you just talked to me, I don't even feel like I matter or I feel like I'm disgusting to you by the way you look at me. That's a pivotal conversation, right? Um, true story. <laughs> And come to find out that that's pain from the past that had to be worked through. But if I had not had that pivotal conversation with my husband, then we would not be in the place that we are today. And that's that vulnerability piece that can be so hard to be honest. Like the way you're looking at me right now, I don't feel like I, like you even like me or like you even want me. And you know, out of that conversation came, he said, I don't know what you see because I can't see it. You know, he, this is what the, came about in that pivotal conversation. He gives me permission to share the strength. He said to me, I need you to tell me when you see me look at you that way, because I don't know what I'm doing. And then can we have a conversation about it? That's beautiful that's, because that's how you bring the awareness, right? So continue, please. Yes. Yeah. And so out of that came multiple pivotal conversations where I said, you know, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What's what's going on here when you look at me that way? And eventually we were able to get to some of his um, struggles in emotional abandonment. And that never would have happened without those pivotal conversations, without that vulnerability. And I do believe that we would have continued down that toxic to that toxic road if we had not had some intervention where we, we, in some ways we did it ourselves. And in a lot of ways, we had a whole lot of help along the way where we needed some intervention to help us. And you know, our kids, as they grew up, <laughs> they became more of a mirror for us and saying, hey, mom, that's not like what you just said there. That's not okay. <laughs> hey, dad, what are you looking at me like that for? I don't understand what this is or what's going on here. And so as our kids get older, they can also be that mirror and help to bring new awareness as to what's going on in our hearts and, and our minds and our lives and our marriages and our family life.